Hello and welcome to episode number 20 of Golf Pod Kentucky presented by TaylorMade. This is Ethan Fisher coming at you and what a week we just had at Audubon Country Club. The 107th Clark's Pump and Shop Kentucky Amateur is in the books and our guest is the champion of that tournament, John Marshall Butler. We will get to our conversation with John here in just a second, but this is going to be an episode that largely revolves around the state amateur. Uh, We're not going to do a whole lot of introductory stuff with this one, but do want to remind everyone that the Women's Kentucky State Amateur is going to be beginning in the next couple of days at the University of Louisville Golf Club. That is a match play competition that will conclude on Wednesday. So we're excited to have our female amateur of the year honored as well these next few days to follow up John Marshall and the performance he just had. But let's uh let's not beat around the bush. Let's bring in the man of the hour and introduce our 2021 champion, John Marshall Butler. JM, first of all, congratulations, man. Uh, how's it feel 24 hours removed from winning this tournament? Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me on. It's uh, pretty surreal, um, especially, you know, setting the 54-hole tournament record. So kind of still setting in, but, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, I want to start this out by kind of talking to the both of you since Miles also competed in the championship. But what did you two think of the golf course and the setup as a whole? Obviously, it was gettable, 18 under. Obviously, the winning score from UJM. It seemed like if you were in the fairway, you were going to be able to attack, whereas if you weren't, that was going to be the biggest cause of the problems out there. So how would you guys kind of evaluate the setup as a whole? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, obviously, JM made it look a lot easier than I did. But if you hit it for, if you hit it far and keep it in the fairway, you're going to have a lot of wedges into the greens. So you were able to be aggressive. I think for all 54 holes, which allowed you know JM to set the tournament record. Yeah, I, I agree with Miles. I mean, the rough is so thick that if I mean if you hit it in the rough, you're going to cost yourself probably. A quarter of the shot every time so um, I was able to keep it in the fairway this week and I mean the course was playing really short so just had a lot of wedges and getting the distances right on those wedges was a key factor for me and then um, just getting the speed of the greens you know people had been saying the greens were slow all week and just being able to adjust to that um, I thought was really a difference maker. Well John you uh you started the tournament off pretty uh pretty stellar fashion. You made birdies and four straight holes after starting on number 10 on Tuesday and then made a bogey on 14, but then you came right back to birdie number 15. So it's five birdies and six holes to start out the championship. Uh, I guess if you yeah. had, have you ever had a better start in a tournament before? Um, not that I can remember right now. That was a, that was a pretty good start. You know, um, starting off by birdie in the first four holes. Uh, it's kind of nerve-wracking because you're like, all right, you know, I'm four under through four. And I guess that's where the hiccup came on that uh, 14th hole. But, no, it's, it was pretty cool to to start that well and, you know, to kind of have the early lead. And I just, I just wish I would have shot lower than five under. You know, you're four under through four and kind of start thinking about, like, how low you can go and then next thing you know like you have to birdie your last hole to shoot five on this so 
Just a sheer curiosity question for the both of you. I was talking to Miles about this before the championship, but did you guys feel like there was any difference one way or the other on if you started on number 10, number one, if you thought that opening up a round on one of those holes was easier than the other? Uh, well, for me personally, I definitely thought the back nine was was much easier. Um, I think that's also true statistically when you look at the numbers. I think the back nine played a little bit easier, but I always like getting the, the more difficult side out of the way first. So I prefer starting off one, uh, but I started off 10 at a, in two of the rounds. So, I mean, I, I think I think – both sides were all both pretty gettable. I think both of them have two par fives that were, you know, you're really wanting to write a circle down on both of them. So I didn't think it was too big of a deal, but I think there was definitely an advantage if you got to play the front nine first. Yeah, I agree. When you're starting off the back, the easier side, you kind of just got to be, you know, ready to go out of the gate and ready to make birdies and, um, if you're not ready to do that, I'd say starting on the front and just getting that more difficult side out of the way is, uh, you know, the way to go. But if you're ready to make birdies out of the gate, you know, I, I feel like as I did, like you can get out to a hot start and make three or four birdies in a row and, you know, you're firing. But no, I, I, I like starting on the front, just kind of getting that out of the way, getting in the flow of things and then, you know, hitting the back hard. So. Well, you certainly did that on Thursday during the final round. You made a quick birdie on number one, another one on three, which played as one of the toughest holes of the week. Got another one on the par five fourth and a couple more on the seventh and eighth. So you were you were firing right out of the gates in that final round. And, you know, you had a three-shot lead going into Thursday's play. And that's it's obviously not super far in front, but it is a sizable cushion at the same time uh what's the mindset like when you know you've got a big lead especially over third place where i think it was six shots um honestly just trying to like you know increase that gap between me and second place um you know cooper came out with a birdie on one and he i think he was three under through the first four holes so i mean he didn't make it easy to build that gap early, but I was able to, you know, keep pace with him. So I think that was the biggest thing. If I had, you know, been even par through my first five holes and I think, I mean, we would have been tied after five holes, but instead I, you know, I was three under two five. So just keeping pace with his great start was very important, you know, kind of keeping that lead and uh, it was a lot more comfortable than, you know, getting off to a slow start and, you know, worrying about, you know, trying to, or trying to chase from behind or whatever. So, yeah, just honestly, just trying to like increase that lead by as many shots as they can was kind of the mindset. Yeah, throughout the pretty much the entire final round, it was pretty fun to watch you and Cooper just make birdie after birdie on top of each other. So, when you're playing with him and you're paired with him, and you know it's pretty much a two horse race, um, even though Devin Morley had something else to say about that, as he kind of caught fire going into the mm-hmm. back nine yesterday. Um, what what kind of thoughts are you are going through your head when you know Cooper's hot and you know you need to keep making birdies to to bring this thing home? Yeah, you know, I'm not really I, – I don't really, like, focus on what Cooper's doing. I'm just kind of, like, trying to, you know, execute shots, get into my target, 
and, you know, make good swings. That's kind of the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, just like, like staying within myself and not worrying about what anybody else is doing. You know, I got asked about Devin after the round and I, I wasn't looking at the leaderboard or anything. So I didn't really know his run, but, um, yeah, just staying within myself, trying to increase that lead and trying to make, you know, give me as many opportunities as possible for birdie was the biggest thing. I want to talk about one hole that you made par on yesterday. And I thought that even though you ended up having a makeable birdie putt, I thought it was probably your shot of the round was number 11 in that final round. And I'm talking specifically about the second shot, but uh, for the listeners who don't know how it was set up, can you walk us through how number 11 played in that final round and what you were looking at? With yeah. That second so shot? number 11 is usually a short par four anyway, but, I think yesterday they played it about 80 yards up and it, it was 280 to the front flag and you had to hit it over uh, like three big oak trees. And I was kind of trying to hit like a high cut with a three wood around the trees and leave myself something just short of the green. But I kind of made a bad, I made a bad swing and double crossed it left and was 45 yards left of the green and some thick rough. And I was just ta- talking to my caddy, Ashton Robinson, he was a big part uh, in my win this week, you know, just having fun out there and keeping me motivated to make birdies and keeping me in a good mindset. But uh, anyway, yeah, I had about a 45-yard uh, wedge shot out some thick rough to a tuck pin. It was on the front left, so that didn't help either. And um, there were multiple ways I could have played the shot. I could try to, like, you know, hit it really high or try to bank it into the, the upslope. But I just figured, so, I mean, I had a three or four, I had a four shot lead at that point. So I didn't want to, you know, bring bogey into play. And I just tried to hit like a kind of a high soft pitch shot. And I mean, I hit a perfect shot and it landed probably about a foot on the green. And I mean, I had a 10 footer for birdie coming back. So after that shot, I kind of, I, I felt more confident about um, the holes to come. But yeah, that was a pretty good. That was a pretty special shot, no doubt. Yeah, I I thought that that had the opportunity to be a big swing point yesterday because Cooper hit a really good tee shot. He was just short of the green, had a pretty makeable chip for eagle, and he ended up making par, and you did as well. And there ended up being no blood, which I thought was a key juncture, just because with where you were. <laughs> off the tee, I thought the most impressive thing about it was that that's not a shot that you're expecting to have during the week. Like anytime someone's yeah. on number 11, I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever expecting to have a 50 yard pitch shot from left of that green. Yeah. As I said, I, I mean, I don't think I could have hit the shot any better. It's probably the best shot I hit all week. Just to even put that thing on the green, honestly. Yeah. No, I, I completely so. agree. It was it was a super shot. You had a pretty uh pretty steady final seven holes after that. You made the eagle on fifteen, which you said was kind yeah. of the the key moment where you thought you were uh you were gonna have it locked up. And mm-hmm. I was looking at your scorecards earlier, and you made eagle on fifteen during the second round as well, and you made the birdie on on 15 during the first round too. So played at five under through the week and it's obviously not the longest part five, but clearly something about 15 must suit your eye. Yeah. 
I don't know what it was. Uh, I guess I, th- I guess it was just the fact that I was playing so short. I mean, yesterday I had 160 out of the rough, and the day before I had like 165, where I just hit 9 30 feet and, you know, made the putt both times. But, yeah, I think it was just – I think it was just the hole being so short. I mean, as long as you hit it in the fairway, you're going to have, you know, under 7 iron in, and you're going to be hitting the green nine times out of 10, so – if you make a putt, you're going to make, you know, you're going to make a three. So I was just, I was just able to make a putt there and play the whole five under because of it. So. When you look back at this week, obviously the fact that you had your family here, it was local with you being a Louisville kid. It, uh, it obviously means something extra when you do that. But when you, I know you're only 24 hours removed, but when you look back on this, down the road years later, what are you going to remember about this week in terms of what it means to you? Uh, I'm definitely going to remember my grandparents being there. Um, it's pretty cool. My grand, my grandmother and my grandfather had never seen me win a tournament before. So mm. that was a first for them. And that was a pretty cool experience. Um, yeah. I just having my whole family there and, you know, being able to not only win it, but set the 54 hole record with, um, I mean, they've played this tournament since 1911 and to be able to do that is, I mean, it's crazy. Like I can't even explain that. <laughs> and just looking at the trophy and seeing all the, all the past champions, like, you know, Gabe Brewer, Bobby Nichols, JB Holmes, and all those great players. It's, it's pretty special. What kind of confidence does it give you when you win not just this tournament, which is one of the biggest ones that you can win in Kentucky, but also the fact that you did set that record? You, uh, I've got to imagine after accomplishing that, you have to feel like you can do pretty much anything at this point. Yeah, um, it's definitely a confidence booster. You know, I always like, I've always had like inner confidence, but I think when you win and you have good results that even um that helps improve your inner confidence even more so yeah i mean it's definitely going to give me confidence for the tournaments coming up i have uh i have a tournament next week up in rhode island so you know i'm going into that knowing that i can make i can make 22 birdies and three rounds and you know i can compete with the best players in the country and I work just hard, as hard as anybody. So, you know, why not? Right. Beyond that tournament in Rhode Island, what else is on your plate this summer? Um, let's see. I'm playing. I leave Sunday for the Northeastern in Rhode Island. And then the week after that is the North South in Pinehurst. And then I have a week off. And then I'm playing the Trans Mississippi up in Minneapolis. And then just like the U.S. AM qualifier, and hopefully the U.S. AM at Oakmont. Good stuff. Oh, and then the and then the Southern AMs in there, the Southern and the Western AM too, at the end of July. So we're gonna get back to our conversation with JM here momentarily, but we've got a little ad read from Taylor Made to discuss. So Miles, uh, why don't you lead the way? 
Let's compare Callaway Chrome Soft and Titleist Tour Speed with Tour Response from TaylorMade. Chrome Soft and Tour Speed are really both soft urethane golf balls that are long off the tee and soft around the greens. But from personal experience, the Tour Response is also urethane, also long off the tee, and even softer around the greens. And they are also much cheaper. So... It's a tour quality ball that doesn't cost as much as other balls. So if you're looking for a ball that isn't going to hurt your wallet too much, but you're also going to get the performance that you need around the greens and around the course to lower your scores, I highly recommend checking out the TaylorMade Tour Response Golf Ball. Uh, Head to TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information and to find a ball fitting near you. Good stuff. Thank you, Miles. Let's get back now to our conversation with Mr. Butler. Now you've uh, you've been at Auburn for a year now. You just wrapped up your freshman year down there, and you've got the opportunity now to play some pretty stellar college golf against a lot of great teams across the country. And with one year under your belt now, what was it that you learned from that experience that you're going to take into account for your sophomore year? Um, just being more prepared. Um, doing the things that I need to do in my practice round, kind of like paying more attention to the greens and where certain pins are going to be, um, paying attention to the wind, not just like throwing up grass on shots, but actually looking where the wind is coming from, you know, whether it's out of the north or south or whatever. And then having a compass and being able to use that uh, was a big thing. Um, also learned how to play mud balls. So that, that was that was good. If the mud's on the left side of the ball, it's typically going to, um, you know, move left. And if it's on the right side of the ball, it's going to move right. So these just little things that I didn't really have any clue about last year that I kind of picked up on during my freshman year at Auburn. Um, yeah, just kind of little things like that. Miles, I'm curious about your opinion on this too, but what a what is the big difference in your guys' opinion when you go from playing junior golf, high school golf, and then you're playing college golf? How different of an experience is that? Well, I think the stuff you learn right off the bat when you start playing college golf, just kind of exactly what JM said, um, uh, just little things and being more precise in practice rounds and doing all the little things you'd need to do to shave off, you know, those one or two shots. Um, you, you learn that really quickly and you just mature more as a player. Um, and I, I have a question for you, JM, actually. So, you know, you had a really successful freshman year at Auburn. Um, I saw you racked up several SEC Freshman of the Week honors. Um, but how successful do you think your team is going to be able to be in the future? Like, I'm not, I'm not really sure anything about your, your squad or your roster, but I did see that your, your teammate shot an opening round of 71 in the U S open yesterday. So how competitive do you think you'll be able to be to compete for a national title in the future? Yeah. I mean, we had a great team this year. Um, unfortunately, Andrew who's playing in the U S open this week. He's going to go ahead and turn pro. So, um, he's not coming back, but this year we had a really good chance. We had, we just, we just didn't have everybody playing good at the right time, which was pretty unfortunate, but we're pretty optimistic about next year and the years to come. We're having, we got some good freshmen coming in and Brendan Valdez and Frankie Harris. And, uh, we're going to be a young squad. So 
going to be fun to, you know, battle it out with those guys and try to compete for a national championship. I think we got as good a team as anybody. And it's just, it's just about playing well at the right time and, uh, you know, kind of coming together as a team and all that stuff. But I, I mean, I think we have a good chance. We got two good, jun- two really good juniors and um, Alex Vogelsong and CJ Easley. And then we'll have, um, we'll have some good sophomores. I'll be a sophomore next year. And then guys like Carson Baca, Ryan Eshelman, and Max Johnson. I mean, you know, the sky's the limit with those guys. It's just about playing well at the right time, you know, and building up and being prepared for the regional tournament and then the NCAA championship. But I've I've no doubt that we'll be competing at Greyhawk next May. Taking a step back for a second, what was the uh, process like when you were trying to figure out what college you were going to go to? How did Auburn come about and what ended up making you decide to go to Auburn? Yeah, so I looked at probably a dozen schools and I narrowed it down to LSU and Auburn. And the main thing for me was the facilities. You know, I wanted to go to a place where I could, you know, do what I needed to do with my practice and a place that would prepare me for the PGA Tour. And Auburn Auburn had facilities that were unlike any other college I'd ever looked at. And it was, it was close to campus. It was only five minutes where LSU was, you know, a 20-minute drive out to their facility. So... That was a big thing. And then um, I just I just love the coaches. I love the guys on the team. Um, the city of Auburn itself and all the people are just so nice. Uh, it's just a really good college town. And it just kind of felt like home for me. But um, I'd say the biggest thing were the facilities and uh, the coaches. How excited are you to go to an Iron Bowl at Auburn? Uh, well, for my official visit in 2019, I went to uh, I went to the Iron Bowl when Auburn defeated oh, yeah. Alabama. Yeah, and everybody rushed the field. So that I mean that was that was just icing on the cake. I was like, okay, I'm ready to come here. You know, um, yeah, being able to be at that game was pretty special. And then I think next year, I think next year we'll play at Auburn. So, I think so yeah, yeah, that'll be another good one. Do you ever talk to Justin Thomas at all and talk a little trash with him about the rivalry? No, I've really been in contact with Justin. I've honestly, I've never even met Justin Thomas. So, you know, I, I'm not, I don't really feel like it's a rush to meet Justin. I just feel like it's kind of inevitable. Like I'm going to get together with him and talk some trash eventually. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That'll happen. Well, speaking of the uh, SEC theme in um, Kentucky golf, I-, I was thinking about it yesterday. It's pretty cool right now that there's a strong contingent of Kentucky golfers who are at SEC schools. You're at Auburn. There's obviously a strong contingent who are at UK. Drew Doyle's at LSU. Jane Nemo is going to be going to Mississippi State. And I I feel like I'm forgetting somebody too. But um, how cool is that when you – play in an SEC tournament and you see a lot of familiar faces from Kentucky playing for the other schools. Oh, it's awesome. You know, I love seeing 
guys like Cooper Park, Campbell Kramer, and Drew out there. Um, just know that they're playing. It kind of gives you a little feeling of comfortability, like, you know, like I belong. I've played against these guys before, and they're they're here too, so let's go. Um, and just being able to, you know, be friends with someone that's not on your team is pretty cool too. Uh, just someone to talk to about, you know, how how's life in their college and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, Kentucky golf is really taking off, especially with the class of 2020. I mean, I think we had over a dozen guys play division one golf, which is kind of outrageous, but yeah, I, I mean, we were all just pushing each other in high school. You know, we all just were very competitive wanting to beat each other. And now that it's at the college level, um, there's a lot more guys like us, but it's still like, it's pretty competitive between the Kentucky guys. Like, you know, if we don't win, we still want to beat each other, beat each other up. So pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is really cool. There's so many Kentucky guys that are scattered across the country playing Division One golf. Um, and all the guys, more specifically, that play in the SEC, you know, you grew up playing with, like Campbell, especially you and Campbell, battled it out, it seems like, every single high school tournament that you played in. So just kind of adds on to that St. X Trinity rivalry that was naturally developed there uh, in junior golf. And it's just – you know, it just keeps going. So that is pretty neat. Well, JM, we do a traditional rapid fire segment to close out the podcast. So you don't need to provide an explanation or a reasoning for any of these questions that we're going to throw at you. Just give us the okay. first thing that comes to mind. So what is your favorite golf course that you've played in Kentucky? Old Stone. What is your favorite golf course outside of Kentucky? Oakmont. What is the golf course you most want to play that you have not played yet? Augusta National. What's your favorite golf movie? <clears throat> um, Tin Cup. Favorite place to vacation? Anywhere on the beach. <laughs> and uh, last one for you. If you were going to go to any golf tournament in the world, which one would you be going to attend? Oh, easy. The Masters. Have you ever been? Yeah, I went in uh, 2016 when Jordan hit it in the water and Danny Willett won. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we, we we don't speak of that, Masters. That one, that one we tried to forget <laughs> about. Well, JM, we appreciate you coming on here. Uh, I know you're a busy man and you've uh, got a lot of celebrating to do, and rightfully so. So thank you for joining us. Congratulations yeah. once more on your victory. We're very proud of you and look forward to seeing what's in store for you down the road. But well played this week and a very deserved award. Yeah, good talking with you guys. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks, Miles.